0: You're listening to the IB... the IB. Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Alexis Alvarado. Our introductory music was produced by the lovely Emily McBride, who is also a writer for the IB. We will be featuring this music between segments now, so please enjoy. This month's theme is the LGBTQ community. We have an interesting lineup for you all today. We will be interviewing Eric Gonzalez, a row, about his experience as a member of this community. We will also be featuring a new tag team debate style today, centered on LGBTQ rights. Aaron Tawil and Pedro Odoñez will be defending the liberal side while Alejandro Escobedo and Eduardo Rivas will be defending the conservative point of view. Suniti Jane will be filling in for Valeria Garcia today about Trump's talks with Kim Jong-un in Vietnam. Myra Gutierrez will be enlightening us about the global AIDS epidemic that plagues the LGBTQ community. Find out the correlation between climate change, space, and Jeff Bessels with Jeff Joe Fred Gonzalez and hear about the horror of the Russian state LGBTQ conversion camps with Fernanda Sosa. Now, without further ado, let's begin with Sunidi.
1: Hello. Valeria is unfortunately unable to cover this month's politics today but we made sure that you will be able to hear what is going on in the world this month. Beginning at the end of February, <laughs> Kim Jong-un and President Donald Trump met in Hanoi, Vietnam on the 27th and 28th. This was their second meeting. And at the last summit, Kim Jong-un agreed to work toward complete de- nuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. So, going into this summit, the main goal of the U.S. was denuclearization and for North Korea, it was to lift US sanctions on them. But before we get into that, let's define what that really means. The sanctions on North Korea, denuclearization, and the relationship between Trump and Kim before the summit. Firstly, sanctions are basically when a country penalizes another country in the interest of the first country's national security. So. Bringing it back to the U.S. and North Korea, the government has penalized the North Korean government because they have committed horrible human rights abuses, cyber attacks, laundered money and on and on and on. Because of these acts, the U.S. has sanctioned North Korea by freezing the American assets of some North Korean officials and they have also imposed stricture regulations on trade, denied most aid to North Korea, cut them off from certain banking programs and the list goes on. However, despite these sanctions, Trump still praises Kim Jong Un frequently, saying he is terrific and that the two leaders fell in love oddly enough at their last summit. Trump even said he was open to easing sanctions on North Korea if they were to make meaningful steps toward denuclearization. And denuclearization sounds exactly like what it is, removing nuclear arms from one country. Now that sounds like a really good thing. As Americans, it is in our best interest that North Korea does not have nuclear weapons, for I really doubt there's anyone here who would like to die from an atomic bomb. Bringing it back to the 2019 Hanoi Summit, it started with the one-on-one meeting between Trump and Kim, dinner, and then formal talks were held the next day. However, no deal was reached on denuclearization. According to Trump in a press conference after the summit, North Korea and the U.S. has a strong relationship still, and the summit was interesting and productive. But, and they even looked at options for a deal, but decided not to do anything. Why? According to Trump, North Korea wanted sanctions lifted in its entirety. Then North Korea will denuclearize key areas. But that was too big a price for the U.S., so they walked away. On the other hand, the North Korean government denied this claim. Rather, they said that the US did not, they did not ask the US to lift all sanctions. They only wanted a partial reduction. And despite this outcome, many analysts have said that it is unsurprising that no deal was made. After all, this was the first time they sat down and talked about what a deal may look like. So both sides do seem to be taking this seriously. I will say it is very weird that Trump considers he and Kim to be in love, but this does not seem to be the. But this does seem to be the first step towards the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. However, as it stands, there are currently no new official plans for another summit or meeting between Kim Jong un and Donald Trump. I suppose time will tell whether we can actually get rid of nuclear weapons in the Korean Peninsula. That's all for today. Let's take it, Myra.
2: Hey, it's Myra, here to inform you all with the buzz, in relation to this month's theme, of course. A specific time in history in which the LGBTQ plus community was targeted and faced the most discrimination and stigmas by the entire world was during the HIV and AIDS global epidemic that began in the 80s. In fact, a well-known singer that died as a cause of AIDS was Freddie Mercury, who was a rock icon and the frontman of Queen, a band that is also known among us, now mostly commonly because of the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. According to HIV.org, the human immunodeficiency virus was first observed when a young, white, healthy, gay man suffered from a rare lung infection. Its cause and symptoms puzzling immunologists and the US Center for Disease Control. See, while HIV, being a virus, destroys important cells that fight disease and infection and weakens the immune system, it makes a person more prone to an infection, AIDS, or stage three HIV. It is a variety of symptoms uh, observed after contracting hiv making aids more like an unfortunate condition since then there were multiple reports of this increasing morbidity rate that was first seen in los angeles in june 1981 the first patient with aids was admitted into a national institute of health he was also a white gay man who was never left the center and died in october of course it is important to note that hiv was not discovered or comprehended in detail by scientists until 1983. However, because of the recurrences happening throughout time involving people of the same sex, a strong sense of homophobia emerged with the decline of people's health. In many countries, gay men and other men who have sex with men were frequently singled out for abuse, as they were seen to be responsible for the transmission of HIV. It was considered the gay plague or the gay disease, but people that did not know that this virus could be spread regardless of a person's sexual orientation. Now, we understand that HIV is generally spread by coming in contact with infected bodily liquids and is transmitted sexually. A person is most likely to be infected if they have unprotected sex with an infected person by blood transfusions or contaminated needles, and it can be passed down during pregnancy or delivered to babies by breastfeeding. Nonetheless, don't live your life in fear of contracting the disease through ordinary contact like hugging or shaking hands with someone who has an infection. HIV doesn't survive outside the body, so it's not in the air you breathe or water that you intake, and certainly not in insect bites. Till next time, take care and thank you next.
3: Hello, this is Joe Fred and I'm here to tell you about how Jeff Bezos plans to help our grandchildren's grandchildren. Jeff Bezos aims to use his assets in Amazon to allow his space company, Blue Origin, which was founded in 2000, to send one trillion people to space with the idea that having that many people in existence will cause there to be quote-unquote 1,000 Mozarts and 1,000 Einsteins. Having been inspired by Mark Zuckerberg, who created a company in his dorm room, Jeff Bezos plans on creating a re- reusable spaceships after the realization that modern kids cannot do anything monumental towards technology advances in space in their own room. With the help of his assets, Bezos moves to form a foundation in which future generations will be able to continue thriving. They quote, We are building a road so that your children can build the future. The most successful of their spacecraft being New Shepard, named after Alan Alan Shepard, the first spaceman to be in space. Only requires 26 or less people in the in the control room in order to launch the rocket the new shepherd is currently being used as a mode of touring space for six passengers for a price of three hundred thousand dollars per passenger per for every 11 minute trip the rocket has a vertical takeoff and landing capabilities allowing its ability to be reused and a little Jeff Bezos Amazon Felder founder and space lover Plans to send people, like he says, to space in order to broaden the creativity and help people the new and never heard of opportunity that is suborbital tourism. Bezos believes that safely non-delivering astronauts, that safely delivering non-astronauts into space, can move us closer to realizing dreams that have moldered for decades. For example, moon bases and orbi- orbiting habitats, all setting the stage for an epic migration of humans to live in space. Yet it would be it wouldn't begin until well after Bezos and the rest of us are long dead. He believes that we can all live in space, going as far as to say that Earth would be a vacation getaway for those inhabiting other s- outer space. Bezos has even defended himself, saying the Earth is in- is finite, and if the world economy and population is to keep expanding, space is the only way to go. And according to the report, to a report by the U.N. Interna- intergovernmental. Panel on Climate Change, released on October 8, 2018, this isn't far off. Since it was brought to light, that we might only have 12 years until the Earth faces serious global warming effects like worsening the risks of droughts, floods, extreme heat, and poverty for hundreds of millions of people.
4: Hello there, everyone. This is Sosa speaking, and today in celebration of the LGBTQ community, I'd like to bring to your attention uh, to a practice that has been affecting members of this community for a really long time and that still affects mostly the younger counterparts of today's community. And this concept, this topic we're going to talk about is conversion therapy. Conversion therapy is the practice of using psychological-based treatments to change an individual's sexual orientation from homosexual to heterosexual. This type of therapy has been in use for a long time and has a long history of treatments used in an attempt to convert people, starting in the mid-20th century. Such treatments uh, used throughout history are chemical, castration, lobotomy, uh, psychoanalysis, sterilization, and aversion therapy. A well-known case of chemical castration was Alan Turing's, uh, widely known as the father of computer science and mathematician, where he decided to go through a reduction in his sexual drive instead of getting imprisoned. Chemical castration entailed a painful process of injecting a female hormone called progesterone, and it's the same form of torture that led Turing to commit suicide, suicide. The other popular treatment was aversion therapy, where a person, where a patient's homosexuality was linked with a negative feeling in the patient. This usually involved showing the patient some um, homosexual pornography while giving them vomit inducing medicine, electric shocks, or bad conditions like lack of sleep. Now, I could go into detail for every type of torture that these people experience but instead I'd like to focus on the dynamics behind this. Many parents send their children to these conversion therapy sessions with the full belief that they're helping their kid, they're curing them from a disease. Although for the most part, today's conversion therapy involves religious intervention, which is also supported by religious organizations, and other means of psychological treatments that are less extreme, people's mental health still suffers after going into conversion camps. One individual who went through conversion therapy not too long ago was recommended to take Viagra when having sexual relations with women and to avoid spending time with female family members, something that lasted a solid three years. Another such horrifying event currently happen, happening is the imprisonment of LGBTQ individuals in concentration camps in Russia. Not many know this to the lack of media exposure to the issue and it's quite disgusting to find that people still experience these types of things, but we have made many advancements away from this practice. Many institutions have made it clear that homosexuality is not a mental illness, such as a UK UK Royal College of Psychiatrists. Um, I guess this, along with other accomplishments, such as same-sex marriage becoming legal, can give us the hope we need to keep paving forward. This is all for today, peeps, have a nice one.
0: Now, um, sorry, now we'll be moving on to the interview portion of this podcast. So with us here today, we have Eric Gonzalez, a row, and thank you, Eric, for coming to join us today. So can you introduce yourself to us?
5: Um, my name is Eric. I'm 17 years old, and uh, I love art, and it's my passion, and that's what I'm planning on studying in college.
0: Awesome, what college are you planning on attending?
5: Uh, I'm gonna be attending uh, the George Washington University in DC. So I'm very excited.
0: That's amazing, thank you Eric. So can you tell us a little bit about how you became a part of the LGBTQ plus community?
5: Well, um, I can answer that question in two ways. I've always known that uh, I was uh, queer in a sense, When I was younger, I was actually bisexual, but sometime within my elementary years and middle school, I eventually realized that I was just gay. And it wasn't until uh, high school, meeting my uh, group of friends, uh, they're all members of the LGBT community, and that's when I finally immersed myself in LGBT culture and the community. And especially because gay culture is, it's it's a very um, mainstream uh, phenomena, and growing up, it wasn't like that. I didn't really know anyone that was gay or bi or trans, and it wasn't until especially uh, you know gay marriage that set a precedent for uh, you know gay recognition in our country, and also uh, the show RuPaul's Drag Race, which definitely immersed. Uh, you know, mainstream culture into drag, and it was around that time in high school when I fully uh, became part of the LGBT community, in a sense.
0: So how has being a part of this community shaped your life?
5: Uh, I think definitely the LGBT community affected me, or join, uh, being a part of the LGBT community affected me so much because it made me comfortable with who I was. I was never in denial about being gay before, but especially with a lot of the rhetoric that you have to hear within the gay community about self-love and perseverance and really not caring about what other people, uh, you know, homophobic people have to say, I think that I've really, that's been really ingrained into me and my life and I just want to continue living my life not caring about what other people have to say.
0: Would you like to say share some memories about your journey with us?
5: Um, some memories. Uh, well, I could tell y'all um, my coming out story. So uh, I actually didn't come out to my parents. Uh, they went through my iPad and found uh, messages between me and my friends about me being gay. and. It was kind of embarrassing, and my I, uh, my mom picked me up from middle school one day, and I got in the car, and she was like, Eric, your uh, father and I went through your iPad, and we saw some messages, and we know that you're a gay, but we love you regardless, and you are always my son. So I started crying just because I didn't want my mom to know I was gay at the time, but I'm glad that it happened that way because it was kind of like, like a needle prick. Like it wasn't, you know, it was fast. You know, I didn't have to continue agonizing over, oh my God, will my parents accept me or not? So it was for the best that my parents found out that way.
0: That's really inspiring to hear about. So can you share with us about how you do drag and how that's shaped yes. what you do now?
5: So um, I first got into drag actually from uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. And uh, when I started watching it, I was obsessed. And then I finished uh, all all of the seasons. And eventually, I wanted to start experimenting with makeup on my own. So I bought makeup. I bought, actually, Halloween makeup. And I used Halloween as a scapegoat to uh, use makeup. And then I would just dabble uh, with it around my sophomore year. But uh, when junior year came, I finally began to do actual makeup looks. And although they weren't uh, the greatest aesthetically, they eventually uh, evolved into what I do now. And uh, now I I have an open uh, uh, drag slash art Instagram account at Erica.art. And that's E-R-Y-K-A-H dot A-R-T. And... I like to do really um, not normal looks, I like to edit them a lot and give them an aesthetic and give them, uh, I just I like doing very conceptual art and um, I've already done uh, two shows and actually I'm about to do my third show which is on Saturday and I'm very excited and I, I love what I do. I think it's very fun and it's, it's also an extension of my um, artistic creativity.
0: So I know that you already elaborated on your response to all of the hatred and negativity mm-hmm. towards the members of the LGBT community, but do you wanna talk about that a little bit more, about how maybe you've experienced it? And-
5: um, honestly, I got the better end of the stick Because I know that a lot of uh, people in the LGBT community go through rejection within their community, their family and friends. And I never really got that. The closest I got to that was in middle school when I started to come out. And um, people could obviously tell that I was not straight. Like, I'm very flamboyant, I'm very feminine. Always have been, always will. And, uh, you know, I would get made fun of occasionally, or called names and at the time like people would call me gay or or fag and it would offend me but then i eventually realized what's wrong with that that's what i am like i'm a fag like it's okay and um and really in my high school experience uh i haven't faced any discrimination but although i haven't faced any discrimination i can still tell that people treat me differently because i am gay so
0: Thank you for that. That's truly inspirational. You're a really strong individual, so
1: thank you. it's
0: glad to hear that you've overcome all of this. What was your inspiration with coming up with your club, the Gender and Sexuality Alliance Club that's here at IB?
5: So I really wanted to do GSA as my cast project for my senior year because I felt that there wasn't really any, especially McAllen ISD, there isn't really a lot of, uh, I noticed that there wasn't any GSAs at the home school as far as I knew, so I wanted to take matters into my own hand and create GSA at Lamar Academy. And uh, although I'm very happy with uh, the group that I've made, our efforts or what I've wanted to do has been kind of limited, especially because of the Catholic traditional culture in the Valley. We honestly don't get that many kids who are willing to say, hey I'm gay or LGBT and uh, I want to participate in your club and I, I feel that there uh, could be more potential for growth but a lot of people are scared and that's honestly okay because I don't want you know my club to be the reason why someone gets outed and uh, someone gets disowned by their family. so
0: what is your advice to these students that are maybe questioning or scared to come out what kind of advice from your personal experience can you give to them
5: honestly you have to judge your own situation as best as you can and make a decision based off of that because if you're in a position where um there is a lot of homophobia in your family or friends it may not be the safest option to come out and i know that it sucks and it's frustrating and degrading, but you know there there's only so much that you can do with what you have, and once you are finally in a position where you're able to come out and still thrive as a gay person, uh, you you just have to you know make judgment judgment on that. But regardless uh, of what other people think. I think it's important for all closeted LGBT people to know that you are who you are, and that's okay. And even though there's homophobia in this world, that's their problem, not yours.
0: Thank you so much, Eric. That concludes our interview. Thank you you for being so inspirational. Of course, thank
5: you for
0: having me. Thank you, so now we will be moving on to the debate portion. Okay, so now it is time for our LGBTQ rights debate with Aaron Tawil, Pedro Oloñez, Alejandro Escobedo, and Eduardo Rivas. And although it seems unfair that it has to come to this, that we must debate about the rights of uh, human beings, there is still prejudice against the LGBTQ community, and we'll be featuring that today with our debate on our podcast. It is important to keep an open mind, and that is what we encourage during these debates. So, without further ado, we will begin the debate. So, why don't you all start by explaining both issues, views to this issue? So, with whoever wants to go first, liberal or conservative.
6: All right. So, I, I feel like the first thing that we need to under that we need to establish is what exactly we're, are we going to be arguing here, debating here? What 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 exactly is the controversy between? Our two opinions. What what it? What is the specific topic of the debate that we're going to be covering?
7: Well, there are multiple um, options that we can talk about. I mean, we can uh, for we can discuss on the decision on making gay marriage legal, or we could talk about on how we should treat um, people that consider to be um, calling themselves female when they're biologically male, or we could talk about the issue in on Colorado. I don't know if you know, but there was a Christian baker that denied um, making a wedding cake for a gay couple because of um of their uh, religious beliefs. So there are many different options, but I would like to talk about uh, maybe the the Christian baker, if you like.
6: Okay, we can yeah sure we can start with the debate about the baker you said in Colorado. Yes. So um, for those of you who don't know about this, I know a little bit about this specific this specific issue, but basically, Eddie said it really well, uh, Baker in Colorado d- didn't make a wedding cake for a, c- uh, a gay couple, right. in, uh, for their wedding. And the, re- the, the issue here is, on one side, uh, the, the Baker's religion was the reason why he didn't want to make the cake for the couple, uh, and then the, on the other side, you have a gay couple that's trying to get married and trying to buy a cake, mm-hmm uh... and they're denied the right to a wedding cake because of their sexuality so do you want to start or do you want mm. Yes.
7: all right All right. so i want to first off to say that um... i do believe that um... the business had the right to um... to deny that gay gay couples not because that they are gay they're gay couples specifically but they, businesses have a right to deny people of their service by any by any um any reasons um i believe that um if they were denied um that the economy would respond in saying that hey this bakery is not very good and if as you may see they've faced lots of backlash for for this and um however if you see have you if you've seen the stats for the bakery right now um they're still they're still in business and um yeah so i believe that the economy would have responded
6: Okay, so basically basically if I let me just make sure I understand this correctly. A business has the right to deny their good or service whenever they want.
7: Yes, correct.
6: Whenever they Okay. The last time I heard that is back when there was racial segregation and a restaurant was allowed to not serve a black person because they was, didn't want to. That's
7: only the Civil Rights Act. It did not cover gay marriage.
6: Okay, so let me get this straight. We're not going to serve someone a wedding cake. The reasoning behind that is because they're gay. Because of their sexual. Because of their sexuality. That, that is that what we're saying? Um, Just yes or no? Like, yeah.
8: Well, I have another question for you. So, say... Say you were a gay baker, right? And some, somebody, some bigot came into your shop and asked you to make a cake that said, uh, you know, some homophobic message, right? Just extremely crude. Would you agree to make it?
9: Yeah. So right here, you're not deni- <coughs> You're denying to bake it. Because of the homophobic slur, not because he of who he is.
6: Wait. Okay, I think what Pedro's trying to yeah. say here is that the the reason why you would be able to do that is because why would you're gonna? Why would someone want to make a cake that says something mean on it? Why would you? Why like that's like writing a, making a cake and putting I hate you on it. Like like would. Why would any baker in their right mind make a cake that says that? Like, it's supposed to be, like, what do, what do you think of a cake? What do you think of, like, it's supposed to bring you joy. It's supposed to taste good. But now we're going to put, I hate you, you're a you're home of, like, like what? What, what? What are we, where, how low are we getting, guys? Like, what's going on here?
8: Well, I think there is some things we need to clarify about this case with the Christian baker. First of all, he had no objection to selling a cake to the couple. But the couple insisted on having... I think, uh, wet a cake topper with uh, a man and another man at the very top of it. So he he wasn't refusing service to them. But he wasn't refusing to bake a cake for them because they were gay. He was refusing to add an element to the cake that went against his religious beliefs.
9: I mean, just change the idea of... Uh two gay couples with two black people would that be acceptable and like that's why the whole civil rights movement was created so like restaurants and businesses won't deny the service to someone based on who they are and that's what we're trying to find out here would it be acceptable for them to deny the service just because they're sorry
0: So, another question that um, a lot of people might have is, does society have the right to discriminate against these people? You know, I think we can all agree that we're human beings, so why do you think we should have this prejudice against these people? Like, what is your belief about the LGBT community that gives you the right to actually belittle them?
7: Okay, well, first of all, if you're talking about um, terms of gay marriage, um, I do believe that gay marriage should be should be in place in the United States. I actually have a more libertarian view of uh, gay marriage here. Um, in fact, I don't think that uh, the U.S. government should have any business on in have in how do I say this in supervising a marriages. I believe that um, if two people want to make love, then okay. I mean, it's your freedom to do it. It's your freedom to have a relationship with each other. That's fine. But if you're talking about a more societal aspect on me wanting to call a man who's saying that he wants to be called a woman i mean if i want to say out of respect then yes i'll call him a woman but in reality i will not if it was a more casual conversation i will not call that person a woman because he's biologically a man
6: okay i think the question that alexis was asking wasn't really about transgender people it was just more more aimed towards um, like people that speak meanly and rudely to people that are gay just because they're gay and should that be allowed in this country is the question no absolutely not. okay absolutely that's good no. okay we agreed guys <laughs> congratulations we agreed on I mean, something there's, does there's everyone still agree with it's great I mean, to
7: be a good person i mean there's still people and why should we Discriminate somebody based on their opinions and based on how they want to see themselves. Okay.
0: Okay. So let's go back to what you said about you know calling a person what they want to be called. So, do you guys have a response?
9: So, I understand the point they're trying to make about you calling them uh, the gender they want to be called. However, that is because it's affecting you. You shouldn't deny the the possibility for them to be able to do it. That is not affecting you you calling them by the other gender that they say they are is affecting you. But if they want to turn to another gender, they want to get surgery to be able to become a woman or a man, you shouldn't take away that right. But
7: if you look at their biological structure that they are right now, so like, for example, if a male um, just got surgery and to become a female, that person is still technically a male. I mean, he still has... Y chromosome he still has sperm cells so it's still appropriate to say that he is considered a man still. I think that we have
9: to look at it as the brain controlling the body because that's what it ultimately is and if the brain decides and the brain is different gender or it chooses to be a different gender it cannot control its whole body but it can choose to see itself as a different gender
6: okay so i'm not gonna lie eddie makes a good point when it comes to biological structures when it comes to transgender people but the question that i have to pose here is why do you care like are you really getting hurt by some like let's say there's a there's a guy out there he was born on the inside he feels like he should be a woman and then he goes through transgender surgeries and is a is it let's just say this is a good person this is a person that's trying to figure themselves out find out their true identity would it really be the worst thing in the world to call him a girl like would that be so bad like i mean if i'm I'm
7: going to say that curse if I was going to say I have courtesy, and if ha- we're having a formal conversation as a friend, then yeah, I will call him a girl. But if it was um, if it was a stranger, then if I thought okay, if let's say for example, a man was walking around and he calls himself a woman, but I didn't know that he was a woman, and I call him hey um, hey uh, man, and then he says no, I'm not a man, I'm a woman. It's not my fault that I didn't know about it. I mean, he's still tankly dressed as a man, and we cannot be able to perceive him based on his own thoughts. So it's not. So sorry. So it's not my. <clears throat> I wouldn't say it is my fault to say. It is not my fault for not understanding his own thoughts because. We do not understand what we are all thinking right now. But if it, if it was out of courtesy, then again, yes, I would. I would call a man a woman.
0: Okay, so I believe that you're saying around two things here. So just to clarify, he's saying that he if he makes a mistake about calling somebody I mean, like a gender that is not theirs, then it's not his fault. So are you saying that if you did
6: know, would you?
7: I mean, if it was uh, my best friend, then yes.
6: Okay, so why should it matter if you're close to them or not? Like, what's the big deal about you being friends with them to determine whether or not you should respect people equally? Like, why should you treat someone that you know different than what you treat the way you treat someone that you don't know? Like, what's wh- why, why would you, out of courtesy, call a man a woman if they're your friend, but then not do it if they're not your friend? like shouldn't being courteous is doesn't mean be courteous to your friend it means be courteous like what's the like why sh, why should there be a difference between people you know or people you don't know
8: right so I think so I think it's important to realize uh, so the Anderson school at UCLA uh, school of law found that there's a 41% suicide rate among, transge- among people in the transgender community and that uh, is even after you know gender surgery or sex change surgery. And so I think, and so sometimes people will attribute that to abuse uh, and bullying and harassment, uh, but we don't see those same suicide rates among other groups of uh, traditionally I guess, harassed communities. Right, so we don't see a 40%, 41% suicide rate among Uh, other members of the LGBTQ community or among um, bullied high school students. And so I think that statistic shows a worrying, it is worrying and maybe forces us to question what may be leading to that. Because that suicide rate occurs even after, uh, even after gender surgery and is regardless of bullying and external factors so I think in that respect it makes us question you know what might be the
9: underlying cause. That
6: didn't answer my question at all. I asked why should you respect people that you know differently than you don't know them?
9: I think I want to go back to what he said about the suicide attempts Uh, because I was looking at the study and if you see the normal suicide uh male suicide rates are 41 percent and for them to just be 5% 5% higher for transgender people doesn't really take what's actually happening, and that's more of a question between our society and what's really affecting us in order to kill ourselves since what. than oh, it being a transgender issue.
7: Now, I want to go back to, um, to the question that you asked about, about me knowing somebody else. About me knowing somebody, if I knew him more, then I might call him by his preferred pronoun. Now the thing is, if it was by a stranger, as I said, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know him because well, we just met each other, and we wouldn't know each other. It's like for example, let's just say you just met Pedro, you wouldn't know him uh, immediately. You wouldn't know his favorite color. You wouldn't know his um, his favorite shoes. You wouldn't know everything about him personally. So. Expecting for somebody that's transgender for people to call them by their preferred pronoun, it shouldn't be an expectation when we have no. When sometimes we have no idea on who they want to be called called as.
6: Okay, Um, I don't think anyone. I don't think that's not really the issue that we're trying to convey through this through this podcast and through this debate. Like we're. Of course, you're not going to be able to tell right away if you meet someone random on the street. And obviously, people are going to make mistakes. This is a very new new issue that is going to take a while to for everyone to get used to. But in the end, every single person on this earth deserves respect, and there shouldn't be a reason why, once you do know someone, whether or not you should just... I'm not saying that you have to say, oh, biologically, like, yes, they're they're a man, they're a woman. I'm just saying if someone's in pain, just treat them with respect. That's all we're trying to say.
0: Okay, and I think that's a really great way to close off our podcast, just talking about respect and, you know, loving each other as human beings. So thank you for tuning in, everyone. Don't forget to check out our awesome exclusive content on the website, https colon slash slash ib hear the buzz, dot, website, dot com slash ib we have awesome articles by amazing student writers that you should definitely go read some of our newest additions to our article segment of our website this month are the following What Does LGBTQ Stand For? by Jennifer Duarte, Transgender and Other Sexuality Gender-Based Crimes, and The History of LGBTQ and Leaders by Denise Dampkin, The Recent Sexual Abuse Scandals by the Catholic Church, Craft R. Kelly by Myra Gutierrez, Title IX's Impact on the LGBTQ Students and Employees by Emily McBride, A Japanese Court Battle Over Marriage Equality by William Greer, and Carla Garduno's informational and inspirational volunteer experiences and also an article about LGBTQ public figures and Jose Reina is bringing in an article about the NFL draft combine for all of you guys that love sports and also climate change controversy by Alexandra Cavazos so also Alex Escobado would like to add in something Uh,
8: I just wanted to add quickly uh, so that 41 percent statistic I think you got it from a PDF from the Williams Institute. So this is verbatim, and so I think this is why we need to be careful with our statistics. It says suicide attempts among trans men, 46%, and trans women were slightly higher than the full sample, 41%. The full sample, 41%, is of transgender people. And so I think you were comparing it to the male suicide rate.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool, just to continue. Um, we have some personal experience stories with the LGBTQ community, such as Emily McBride and William Greer's experiences at the McAllen and Boston Pride Festival, and also an interview with Juan Silva and his family members about his experience with this community. So you can access our website in numerous ways. We have QR codes you can scan on some of our flyers around school. Plus, the link is located on our Instagram page, at IBPodcast. Hiking Club is also meeting, so if you want service or activity casts, go for it. Go be healthy. So until next time, thank you for hearing the buzz.